0: your Bibles lift them up and repeat after me and say this is my Bible every word in it is true I am who it says I am I can do what it says I can do today I'll be taught God's word it's his truth transforming every part of my life and I'll never be the same in Jesus name amen You guys sound great this morning. Today, we're going to talk about uncommon hope. We're going to talk about uncommon hope. Romans 12, 2, which has been our title verse for the series, says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Now listen, that word transform in Greek is metamorphosis. That's the Greek word is metamorphosis. And here's what that means. That's where you go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It's a complete transition in life. And that's what God wants to do is transform you from the inside out. So let's look at how he does that. But let God transform you into a new person by changing what? What? The way you think. God wants to change you from the inside out, but he's going to change you from the inside out by changing the way you think. And when he does that, then you will learn to know God's will for you, that will which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the way God transforms us first is by transforming the way that we think. And here's the way I think about that. Your brain is like the rudder on a boat. And the rudder on a boat can be very, very small, but you can turn a big boat with a very, very small rudder. And the way God changes our direction in life is by changing the way that we think. So until that's transformed, we're gonna just keep doing the things that we've always done because there's not a transformation taking place. Well, how does that impact with hope? What does that look like? Well, look at Hebrews 6, verse 19a. This is the first half of this verse, and here's what it says. We have this hope as an anchor. Everybody say anchor. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So we're going to talk about hope today, but, but I need to define what hope is because for many of us, we get hope and faith mixed up. And even though they're very closely related, they're actually two different things. And I want to make sure that you understand the difference between faith and hope. So here's the deal, and this is the the theological, this is actually the definition of both faith and hope. Faith is a complete trust or confidence in something. Faith involves, watch this, intellectual trust, the way that you think. That's where faith comes from. I can trust something. I make a decision to trust something. For example, we have faith in Jesus Christ. This means we completely trust Jesus with our eternal destiny we believe the fact of his death and his resurrection and then we then trust in his death and resurrection for our salvation so faith is right now I believe right now I believe what we testify this morning is I believe that Jesus is the son of God I believe that he died for me I believe that he rose again and I have faith that those things are true and that's right now give you a practical example How many of you have ever swung on a rope swing down at a river or something? Anybody? You know, it never seems to fail, but whenever you go out to a river and you see a rope on a rope swing, it looks like it's been there for 500 years. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you see these things, you'll be going down the river, maybe on a lake, and you'll look out and there'll be a rope swing. I mean, it's so old, it looks like Noah was hanging on it during the flood. You know what I'm talking about? These are old ropes. So, so the first thing you do before you got, decide to go swing is what? You grab the rope and you do what? Tug on it. Why? You want to make sure it's not going to break. And then once you know that it's not going to break, you have faith in it that it will hold you. Okay? And that's a faith for right now. So that's what faith is. Faith is, I believe, right now for this thing. Okay? And it's an actual intellectual thing where you make a decision. Hope is different But hope is built on faith. Hope is built on faith. Now, this is the Greek definition of the word hope. It's the intense, earnest, and confident expectation that comes with believing something good will happen. It hasn't happened yet, but I have hope that it is going to happen. So it's a future thing. Hope is peaceful and confident assurance That something that hasn't happened yet will indeed happen. So it's out in the future. Here's what Romans 8.24 says. Hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? So hope is something I haven't seen yet, but I have an expectation that what I'm hoping for is going to come to pass. So you see the difference? Faith is, I believe this right now, it's the rope on the rope swing. Hope is when I swing out over this thing, my hope is it's not going to break. It's a future thing, okay? Titus 2 verse 13 says this, Jesus, is, Jesus' return is our blessed hope. He's already come the first time. He died, he rose again, right? That's already happened. But in the future, we know he's going to come back. And so we're hoping for his return. So what is an uncommon hope? How does this relate to our life today? Why does it even matter at all, Well, let me tell you something, faith that Jesus has done something now, but maybe there are some of you here today that have faith that what Jesus has done for you is enough, but maybe you're dealing with sickness in your body and there's a hope that God's going to heal you. It hasn't happened yet but you're believing for that. Maybe, you know, some of you are having challenges in your family. There's dysfunction or there's conflict. Maybe for parents, it's a child or a grandchild that's strayed away from the Lord and you haven't seen their return yet, but you have hope that God is going to do that. It is a future thing. Hope is a big deal and hope is something that we have to have. The the original as as Becky or Becky as as this week Becky and I sat down and began to look and and work out this message. We began to study what anchors were in the Old Testament because the Scripture says that hope is an anchor for our soul. And, and we found out some very interesting things about hope that I didn't even realize. She actually has some pictures of some symbols. If you see these symbols up here, you look at those. Early Christians used the anchor as a disguised cross and as a marker to guide the way to secret meetings. Remember, the early church, uh, after the initial period, was persecuted. Especially the Romans would persecute and kill Christians. And so they would have prayer meetings, Bible studies, whatever they would have. And instead of putting a cross on the door that said, hey, come kill us, we're Christians, they would put uh, an anchor up there. And they used that anchor because that anchor represented the cross. It represented hope. And so they would actually use that as a symbol. So if you were walking down a street and you saw an anchor over there, you'd say, ah, there are Christians here. So this has been a symbol in our faith for a long time. thought that was very interesting. Look at Romans 15, 13. This is Paul talking to the church at Rome. Remember some of these people that were being persecuted. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith, That by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in what? Hope. And overflow with confidence in his promises. Now notice at the beginning of the sentence, it's always very important to understand what the Bible is saying, obviously. It says, may the God of hope. Another translation says, may the God who is hope fill you. God is a God of hope. God is a God of right now. He's a God of I'm going to meet you where you are right now. But I'm also a God of hope in the future of what I'm going to do for you. But notice this, guys. And this is the key today of what I'm talking about. Notice what he says here. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit you will abound in hope and overflow with what? Confidence. If you've got notes, circle that word confidence in his what? Evelyn in his what? Promises. So I have hope. But my hope is tied to what? The promises of God. That's what I'm having hope in. And that hope means some of these haven't been fulfilled yet. My salvation is done. My salvation is done, but there's still things in my life that God is working out. What do I have to do to stay confident and abound is that I hold on to his promises. And I have hope in them. I haven't seen the results yet, but I have hope. So as I thought about this, I thought how significant it was that that Paul used this term of that hope is an anchor to our soul, that we hold on to this hope. And so I began to look up, because this is how I study this stuff out, I began to look up what anchors do. You know, what do they do? And so I went and studied the Navy stuff and studied the maritime stuff, and, and they actually have processes for how you use anchors, but they also define the purpose of anchors, And I thought, well, this ought to be interesting. So if you look at your notes, look at the thing. It says, what do do anchors do? Here's the first thing that an anchor does. This is an anchor's main job. It keeps you from drifting. Anchors keep you from drifting. As a matter of fact, it finishes that comment. It says, it keeps you from drifting so you don't destroy your ship or something else. I thought, well, that's an interesting thought it keeps you from destroying yourself or somebody else and so it's not an accident that Paul says you have this anchor in your soul and the anchor that you have is the hope of God's promises and if you'll hold on to God's promises and anchors it's going to keep you from drifting you say pastor why is this important guys this is huge this is huge do you know why people get in trouble in life. You know why they get in trouble? Because they don't have any hope. They're not holding on to anything. Matter of fact, there was a young man in our church. I talked to him recently and he had a friend and he and this friend grew up in school and they were doing great. They've been friends from elementary school all the way into high school. In high school, this man's, this young man's friend began to mess around with drinking and drugs. and, And before long, it turned into a real problem in his life. It turned into a problem. And this young man went to him and said, man, you know, we grew up together. I love you. I'm watching this go on. And he said, bro, why why are you doing this stuff? It's destroying your life. Why are you doing this? And here was the young man's answer. Why not? And I'm hearing this story firsthand. He says, why not? And when I hear that story and I read this, I can see why people get in trouble. Why not? I don't have anything to live for. There's nothing holding me back. I have no anchor. I'm just wherever. How many of you have ever heard say, oh, well, I just go wherever the wind blows me? I'm just like the wind. I have no idea why I'm talking like that right now. <laughs> but there are people that just, I'm just free spirit. Woo! Right? Here's the problem with that. You know, sometimes that's fun until it blows you into a wall because you don't have an anchor, which means you don't have hope. And the reason you don't have hope is because you don't have a future. So why not do anything? Everything's game because I don't have purpose. And you know, guys, as I was studying this, I gotta tell you, I spent a lot of time working on this this week and really studying this out and and understanding because I was thinking about how life works and how everybody in this room, how we all work and how we all function. And as long as we have hope, as long as we have purpose, we can stay focused. But if you don't have purpose, you will drift anywhere. And that's why we get in trouble. It's hard to say no if you don't have a reason. And I look back at Jeremiah 29, 11 in the Old Testament. You got to listen to the heart of God for you right now. Everybody up there too. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a what? Hope. And when I remembered that, And then I thought of this sermon and the light came on for me. Now, I don't know about you, but I can be a little slow. But when I realized that, it was so clear to me. When I've received Jesus and I know that he has a plan for my life, it's easier for me to stay on track uh carol would call it guardrails that this hope give us gives us these guardrails in our life so that we don't go off in the ditch but if there's no restraint if there's no hope we can go over the edge and that's why in our world that's why in our community you see people that are dried up hulks of what they could have been because they didn't have purpose but can i tell you something church Here's a danger that we run into. It is so easy for us that have been in church for a while to judge people like that because here's the problem. We judge them from our perspective, not their reality. I'm going to say that again. We judge them from our perspective, not their reality. See, that young child that's grown up in a parentless home does not know what they don't know. This is deep theology right now. But here's the problem we look at them from our perspective which makes sense because this is what we know and we look over there and it's so easy for us to judge people but you know Jesus never did that guys he was born in a manger in a stall in a barn why so that he could get down right where you and I are and Jesus would not judge people like that he would meet them where they are but notice this he didn't leave them there He pulled them out of that and gave them a future and a hope. And that's what he calls us to do. You're going to go to Moldova and you're going to be over there and you're going to see these people and they don't know anything any different because they've never seen anything any different. And you're going to go over there and you're going to show them a light. And there's going to be the light that's going to go off for people, some of whom for the first time have never had hope, they're going to have hope. And you're carrying that with you. But let me tell you something, it's no different for him there than it is for us here. There are people that work with you right now in the cubicle next to you, and they are just as lost. Just as lost. And the reason they drift anywhere, in and out of relationships, in and out of jobs, in and out of whatever, is because they don't have a purpose and a hope. But we can't judge them for that. We have to show them God's love and allow him to become their anchor, not me and you. Amen? Y'all are so quiet. Somebody say amen, please. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so that's number one. You ready for me to move on to the second point? Please, right? Thank you, you're welcome. Anybody's toes hurting, I'm jumping on my own too, which is really weird, but it happens, okay? So what does an anchor do? An anchor keeps you from drifting. You gotta have an anchor. Here's the second reason you need an anchor. It secures you during a storm. How many of you are going through a storm in life right now? Yeah, you need an anchor. You need an anchor. And and I read as I was reading that this week, when they know a storm, woohoo! I almost knocked that over. When they know a storm is coming, they'll find a place and they'll drop an anchor and then they drag the anchor along until it hits into a rock that's not gonna move. And then they ride out the storm. But if they don't, that storm will carry them wherever it wants to. You know, Jesus said in the world, you're going to have what? Which is what? Storms. But we have this anchor in our hope. Our, we have this hope as an anchor to our soul that whenever we go through storms in life that some of you are going through right now, if you'll get tied to the right anchor, you're going to be okay. You say, Pastor, how long is the storm going to last? As long as it lasts. When's it going to be over? Whenever it's time for it to be over with. What do I do? Hold on to hope. Because you're holding on to Jesus, who's the anchor of your soul, the God who is hope. That's a future thing. So I would say to some of you right now, this isn't in my notes, so listen. I would say to some of you right now that are ready to give up, and you know who you are, hold on to hope. Say, Pastor, it's hard. I know. But Jesus said, He said, You're going to have storms, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the storm. He's the master of the storm. And let me just say this to you. Thank you, Lord. Storms make you stronger. Storms make you stronger. You know, I can look back in my life. And I can look at some of the times in my life that were the hardest times that I'd ever encountered personally. And I've had some. My life has not always been roses and rainbows. I've had some real life storms that I thought were going to destroy me. But I cried out to the anchor of my soul. And you know what I found out? He was there, and and I survived the storm. And you know what happens next time I see storms coming? Hey, we've been through some storms, haven't we, God? Storms make you stronger. Storms will help you. You just got to hold on to him. Amen? Look at at the third point. Keeps you from drifting, secures you during a storm. And here's the third thing that an anchor does. It provides stability. It provides you a foundation. And here's why that's so important. Guys, you need to know God's promises so that you can apply God's promises. Remember, the hope that we hold on to is the promises that God has given us. But you can't hold to something that you don't know what it is. Does that make sense? It's like somebody saying, hey, Hey, throw me an anchor. And you go, okay, what's an anchor? Right? That's not a good thing. You've got to understand what the promises are that you're holding on to. The only way you're going to learn that is to learn them. The only way that's going to happen is by spending time in God's word, listening to what he says, and understanding those promises are for you. Those promises are for you and for me. Let me just tell you something. There is a future hope for us that God has promised us that's incredible. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 through 13 says this. For now, this present life that we all live in, we only see a reflection as in a mirror. We don't see the whole picture, guys. There are things that you and I both go through and we don't see what all of it is. We don't understand sometimes why things are happening. We don't get it all. Can I just tell you that's okay? Okay. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but one day we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but there'll come a day that I shall know fully, even as God fully knows me. There'll come a day where you understand. And so when you cry out, God, I don't understand, and I don't know, and Jesus, I don't understand, everything, that's okay. He even tells us you're not going to understand all of it. That's okay. There'll come a day that you will, but what matters is right now you hold on to him. He says this in verse 13, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. You got to have faith. You got to have hope. But the thing that holds it all together is God's love for you and for me. You know, when I picked this out, I didn't even think of you. I think this will have special, special significance for you. A Christian man who made a trip to Russia in 1993 felt conspicuous walking down the streets of Moscow, and he couldn't figure out why. He was an American. He he felt out of place, okay? He wanted to blend in, but it was obvious that people knew he was not Russian. He asked the group of Russian educators with whom he was working whether it was his American clothes. He had blue jeans on, a Chicago Bulls t-shirt. And they, they replied to him. These Russian people said, no, that's not it. He said, what is it then? Why do I feel out of place? Why do I stick out? They all huddled together. The Russian teachers huddled together and they talked for several minutes. And then one of them, speaking for the group, answered politely, it's your face. It's your face. My face, the man laughed. How does my face look different? They talked it over again and then one of the teachers quietly said, you have hope. You know, I can get with people and I can see where they are and they don't have to say anything. Because I know sometimes what hope looks like in people. And you've seen it. You know what the hopeless look like their head down, their eyes lost and empty, hopeless. And this man was walking, in the power and the presence of God with him, and his head was up, why? Because he had hope, he had a future, and people recognized that he had something they didn't, and he didn't even have to say anything. And that's where you guys will be. But you're also going to have an opportunity to share that hope, because our job is to give it away. And that's not just your job That's our job The truth is folks We are drawn to hope We want hope We need hope And hope cries out to us Ephesians 2 12-13 says this Remember that at the time You were separate from Christ Remember when you were apart from him excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. When Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood, you guys, we remember when we weren't part of the covenant. We remember when we were on the outside looking in. And Jesus said, uh, Paul says, you remember that. You were without hope and without God in the world. You were without hope and you were without God in the world. But then he says this, But now, Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Philippians two twelve through 16 a says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God who works in you to will and to act to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Why? So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. What's the end result of that? What's the result in our lives when we allow hope, when we cling to Jesus? What is the end result? Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you fold, hold firmly to the word of life. And this is the truth. The world has no hope in itself, but we are carriers of hope. There are two groups of people in here, only two. Those that have that hope and those that don't. Either you do or you don't. You know, i I'm not real bright, but I've learned something in my life. You know, people are either pregnant or they're not. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Have you ever asked a lady, say, hey, uh, are you pregnant? And they go, I'm just not sure. (laughs) You know, they know, right? Don't ever ask someone that's not pregnant that, though, because they don't like that at all. Really don't like that. But if you ask someone, yeah, either they are or they're not. Either you have hope or you don't. But can I tell you the good news? There is a God who is hope, and he loves you, and he's waiting for you. With outstretched arms, he has done all he can do, and he is available to you. So if you have no hope, he wants to give you some and give you a purpose. And he's available for that today. There's a blessed hope, and I'm going to end with this. As an assembly God church, as evangelical Christians, there's a hope that we have. And it's called, theologically speaking, it's called the blessed hope. And let me tell you what that is. Brothers and sisters, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no what? Hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. See, not only do we have hope here, but we have a future hope. You know, I would argue that there's probably, or propose, there's probably not one person in this room that hasn't lost people that they love dearly. That were believers. And they're there. You know, we've got a lot of hymns that talk about being on the other side and those that have gone before, and that's true. We're gonna see them again. And I want you to understand guys There's two kinds of hope that Jesus promised There's a hope for here Jesus has said I've come to deliver you And to set you free To give you a future and a hope Here He wants to bless us here Now But there's also a hope that's in front of us That says listen Those of you that die and me You're going to live again You're going to see each other again And it's called the blessed hope It's awesome It's amazing that God offers us that Hebrews six nineteen a. I'm gonna close. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So it's a simple question today. Do you have hope? Do you have hope? Do you have Jesus today? You know, there's probably some people in this room right now that you're just kind of wherever the wind blows you, man. And you know, that seems exciting at first, but can I tell you the truth? That's terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. And so, wind-tossed one, God's throwing you a lifeline today. And regardless of where you've been from and, and what you're in right now and what's going on in your life, there's a God who can step into the middle of it and he can give you an anchor right now. He can stop. you drifting. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Let me ask a question. How many of you have drifted before? Yeah, me too. Let's bow our heads. Everybody, just in a moment, let's bow our heads today and just Lord, I just thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you for being here and that nobody's here by accident today. Father, I thank you for the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not evil to give us a future and a hope. And if, if you find yourself today drifting, some of you maybe don't know Jesus. You've never had him as an anchor. Can I just tell you, today's your day. And that anchor, that hope you've been looking for is available. Some of you are believers, but you kind of cut your anchor. You've been drifting. Can I just tell you there's no condemnation in him? There's no condemnation. He just wants you to come home. Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're here today and you want to receive Jesus as Savior, you need that anchor of hope, you need purpose, you need forgiveness. If that's you today, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, it's me. That's me. I see your hand. You can put your hands down. Or maybe you're here today and. You're a believer, but you've just been drifting. You just gotta aimlessly, you've been blown all over the place. But you want to come back home. You need that anchor. Today is your day. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I've been drifting. I see your hand. Amen. Amen. That's what I want to do. A couple people raise their hands. I just want to take a moment. We're not going to get in a hurry. If you raised your hand this morning, I just want you to come down front. I just want to pray with you. I just want to lay hands on you and pray for you. Not, this isn't to embarrass you. This is just to encourage you. Jesus said, if you don't deny me before people, I'm not going to deny you before my Father. Amen. else want to come up no condemnation here no condemnation guys have a couple leaders come up there this morning, I just want you to uh, put your hands forth, folks. And I just want you to agree with me as we pray for these folks right here. Let's just pray this together, guys. Say, Lord Jesus, right now, I cry to you. You said, Lord, if I draw near to you, you would draw near to me. You said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. So Jesus, save me. Help me. Forgive me. I need you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for restoring hearts today, for drawing people close to you, Father. Thank you for the cross, Lord, what it means. Lord, we thank you there's no condemnation. Amen. You are peace. Thank you,
1: Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
0: As these guys are down here praying this morning, I want everybody to stand. These guys are down here praying. We're going to honor that. We're going to sing a worship song. Here in a few minutes, if you're going on the men's event, I want to meet with you. We're going to meet over here to my left, your right, here in a few minutes. But right now, we're going to do the important thing, right? Let's go ahead.
1: I e we
2: it's important to take a few moments, a few seconds, and just thank God for how good he is. Because we have a hope. And that hope is just the simple fact that God loves us. The simple fact that he sent his son to die for us. And we have rest in that hope. So God, I just thank you. I thank you for that hope. I thank you that we don't have to live in darkness. We don't have to live in depression. We don't have to live in a, in a way that just is meaningless. But we have a purpose. We have hope. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, that concludes our service this morning. Um, Pastor Chris, if you're new with us, Pastor Chris is out in the lobby. Uh, so make sure you go meet him he'd love to talk to you Uh, guys that are going on the uh, trip this weekend we'll go ahead and meet in the inheritance room so I'll be there